0: Welcome back to Cross and Hoop. I'm your host, Handing Kobe Sue. And we're live Saturday night from San Francisco. Back at it again with another episode of NBA basketball. Let's get right to it. I want to start off first segment talking about the Utah Jazz every single year there are about 10 or so relevant teams in the NBA and by relevance I do not mean good teams because there are plenty of good teams in the NBA every single year I consider every team that makes the playoffs a good team so that's at least 16 good teams in the NBA in my eyes, every year. And there are some teams that do not make the playoffs that you can argue are good teams. For example, last year in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns, the San Antonio Spurs, and the New Orleans Pelicans, none of those three teams made the playoffs last year. But all of those three teams are either extremely well coached good teams or are extremely talented up and coming teams you have the Spurs coached by a legendary Greg Popovich have two stars in DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Eldridge with a rising talent the DeJounte Murray and a good supporting cast that's a good team they didn't make the playoffs And then you have the other two teams, extremely talented. The Suns, you have Devin Booker, who's a bugget, who's a coming star, and a young talent, number one pick, DeAndre Ayton, talented, it's coming. And then you have the Pelicans, whom I think is perhaps right now the most talented team in the NBA. You have number one pick, Zion Williamson. A beast. (laughs) And then you have number two pick Lonzo Ball and number two pick Brandon Ingram. Both of them are super talented, super good at what they do, up and coming. In fact, Ingram has already arrived this season. Lonzo is getting there. And then you have a 3 and D player like Josh Hart. And then you have a veteran shooter like J.J. Redick. That team is stacked with talent. The Suns and the Pelicans, super talented teams, neither make the playoffs. But they're still good teams. So there are a lot of good teams in the NBA. But there are not a lot of relevant teams. In fact, relevance does not really matter about record as much as it rather in other things relevance depends on star power relevance depends on the market you're in relevance depends on the history of your team and all three of those things matters more than the record you hold and that's why since the beginning of the season till now the two most relevant teams in the NBA Are the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. You can talk about the Sixers and the Nuggets and the other teams all you want but at the end of the day the Lakers and the Nets since the beginning of the season in December till now have been the two teams that have been talked about the most and the most relevant teams in basketball you take out the nets you take out the lakers right now from the nba the nba will be half as relevant as it is right now and right now every single player knows That those two teams, despite Anthony Davis' injury, despite Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving, chemistry issues or uh, defense issue, despite all those things, every single player, every single coach, every single general manager and most fans in the world know that those two teams will most likely be in the finals And one of those two teams will most likely be holding the trophy this year. Everyone knows that. And adding on to that, the Lakers are the defending world champions. The Lakers have the most famous basketball player that's active right now. He's also arguably the greatest or the second greatest player ever in LeBron James. They have a player that's a generational talent in Anthony Davis. And they are in Los Angeles, the biggest city on the West Coast. And they are the Los Angeles Lakers. 17 world championships. Hollywood. City of Stars. And then you have the Nets. New York City. Brooklyn Culture. Already got tough players. Before Kyrie and KD got there. And you have KD obviously. Arguably the second best player in the league right now. James Harden. Arguably the best scorer. Or the second best scorer. It's hard to tell because... The only other component is KD and he's his teammate. And then you have a show. A player that can play put up a show every single night and carry Irvin as the third star. Before the season started, everyone knows. Everyone in the league knows there is one legitimate opponent that can actually pose a high threat to the Lakers repeating. There's only one. That's the Brooklyn Nets, and that's before they got their second best player, James Harden. So, no matter what happens from this point on till the end of the season, the Lakers and the Nets will stay being the most relevant teams in the NBA. But right now, there's a third team that's rising in relevance it's getting talked about more it hasn't always been that way this team Uh, for the past few years it has been making some deep playoff runs but they have not really been in the center of spotlight have not got a lot of media attention until recently and that team is the Utah Jazz right now Utah has the best record in the league 26 wins Seven losses. That's three games ahead of the second best record in the league for the Clippers. And in their last 25 games, they have won 22 of them. And those 22 wins, that comes in the form of an 11-game winning streak and then later a 9-game winning streak. And during that stretch, those last 25 games, they have beaten the Blazers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Pacers, the Heat, the Lakers, and the Sixers. The only team that is a legitimate contender this year that they have not beaten is the Brooklyn Nets. That's the only team they lost to that actually is a legitimate contender this year every other team they have beaten. And the 26-7 record is not like a record where they beat a lot of bad teams. They're 10 and 4 against teams above 500. And they're 16 and 3 against teams below 500. And this team is not just on some random hot streak. Because they are very, very, very well-balanced and extremely well-constructed team. They have six players that's averaging double digits right now. Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, Royce O'Neal, Badonovich, Mike Conley, and Joe Ingles. Mitchell's averaging 24 points per game. And Jordan Clarkson, who is arguably the sixth man of the year this year, is averaging 18 points per game. And the other four players, they're all shooting 40% or more from the three. Royce O'Neal is shooting 42% from the three. But Donridge is shooting 40% from the three. Mike Collin is shooting 42% from the three-point line. And Joe Ingles, (laughs) a player that's beloved by many, many fans, is shooting 47% from the three. That's better than Steph Curry, although he's shooting a lot less. But all four of these players, they're not only shooting 40% or more. They're shooting it with more than four attempts from the line every single game. And then you have Mitchell and Clarkson who is not shooting 40% but pretty close to 40%. They're both shooting 38% from the three-point line. And not only on offense, they're very good defensive team too. They have elite defenders inside and outside. They have Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, Manning the paint. And then they have Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles, who are good players that can guard up three positions. And then you have Mike Conley, who's a good guard. That plays good defense on opposing guards and this team has a mixture of young talent and veteran experience you have young stars like Donovan Mitchell their best player is only 24 Royce O'Neill, the best defender on the perimeter is only 27 Jordan Clarkson the second best scorer and the best player off the bench is only 28 and Rudy Gobert, the best defensive player, is only twenty-eight too. And then veterans, they have Derek Favors, who's only who's twenty-nine, and they have Badonovich who's thirty-one, and then they have high IQ players like Inconnelly and Ingos, who are thirty-three. This team is also extremely well coached. Quinn Snyder, For the past five seasons, he has coached the Utah Jazz to be above 500 every single year in the past five seasons. And not only are those things that makes the Jazz so impressive. What truly makes the Jazz unique and is making a super relevant team right now. Is that it is the only team in the NBA... Right now, that is truly elite on both ends of the floor. I always say that the best offensive team is the best spear, and the best defensive team is the best shield. Right now, Nets, the Nets are the best she- uh, spear in the team in the league right now. They have the best offense in the league right now. They're averaging 121 points per game. That's number one in the league. And that's the best offense ever. If the season were to end, it would be the best offense in NBA history. 121 points per game. That's the best spear. But they also have the worst defense in the league, practically. They score 121 points per game, and they allow 116 points per game. That's number 28 in the league. And then on the other hand, you have the Lakers, who is the best shield in the league right now because they have the best defense. They only allow 106 points per game. That's number two in the league, ranked number two. And They have a below average offense because they only score 111 points per game. So they score 111 points per game. That's ranked number 11. Number 19, excuse me, in the NBA. That's below average. But they only allow 106 points. And then you have the Jazz. Jazz they have not only a spear, but they also have a shield. They're truly the only team that is elite on both ends of the floor. On the offensive side, they score 116 points per game. That's number three in the NBA. And on the defensive side, they only allow 108 points per game. That's number three in the NBA. Their points differential it's eight points. That's more than the Nets and the Lakers. And they have a very good spear and a very good shield. Their very good spear is Donovan Mitchell, whom we have seen is a explosive scorer, is reliable in the clutch. And he's only 24, and he's only getting better. He's a... Up and coming, and he is very, very near superstardom right now. And then you have a very, very good shield, and Rudy Gobert, who is near the top of um, leading the league in blocks every single year, who is a former Defensive Player of the Year, and whom, if you watch Jazz games, every single time Gobert is on the floor the other team tries not to go into the paint because of how good he is at challenging shots the jazz has one of the best spears in the game the jazz has one of the best shield in the game the jazz is a well balanced team the jazz is a well coached team the jazz is a very has a very good culture and the jazz has very good shooters, and defenders, and the Jazz is right now a very, very relevant team in the NBA. Our second segment today is on the NBA All-Star Reserves. This past Tuesday, the NBA released their list of reserves for the All-Star Game, um, picked by the coaches. And on the West, the reserves are Anthony Davis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Zion Williamson. In the East, they have Jalen Brown, James Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and Vucevic. Uh, And then, knowing that, obviously, Anthony Davis, who is out for at least through the All-Star break, will not be playing the All-Star game... uh, The NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, picked Devin Booker from the Phoenix Suns to replace Anthony Davis. And then the news was just released today that Kevin Durant will also not be playing in the All-Star game. So the commissioner originally picked Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy said he would not go play the All-Star game. If Bam Abadio is not coming with him, he's a great teammate, sticking up for his buddy. But sadly, the NBA could not pick both of them, so neither of them are going. Instead, um, the Montez Sabonis is replacing KD. Um, Last week, I made the prediction for whom I think should be um, selected as All-Star Reserves. And I had two mispredictions per conference. Uh, in the East, uh, I thought Trey Young and Jeremy Grant would make it. But instead, Simmons and Vostovich made it. And in the West, uh, I thought Booker and Brandon Ingram would be selected. But instead, Booker's teammate Chris Paul and Paul George was selected instead of those two. And let me say I have no problem at all with the people that were selected as reserves. And then the people who were um, selected as replacement. I have no problem with that list. Everyone who is on the list right now going to Atlanta to play the All-Star game. Everyone on the list deserves to be an All-Star. Ben uh, Ben Simmons. He is averaging not so good numbers this year. But he's still playing great basketball. Still an elite defender. Still an elite passer. The Sixers are still better with him on the 4th than without him. And Vosevic is a great player. Um, He is leading the Magic. Although they're struggling. But he's putting up great numbers. Although I personally think Grant um, and Vucevic, since they average similar numbers and the teams having similar record, that Grant being someone who jumped teams and is the solo player right now um, on the Pistons, I would have given it to Grant. But I have no problem Vucevic having the spot. And then in the West, I have no problem with Chris Paul. Taking the spot from Booker. Um, Number one, because um, Booker obviously got a spot replacing KD. I mean, sorry, uh, excuse me, replacing AD. But also number two, I think, I personally think Chris Paul is just as much a star, if not more of a star, than Devin Booker this year. Chris Paul, at age 35, is still... A very valuable player, he is the reason why the Suns are where they are at right now. The fourth seed in the West is because of Chris Paul. His ability to lead a team, his ability to teach a young and talented team like the Phoenix Suns how to win ball games, and despite his numbers dropping this year, you can see if you watch Phoenix Suns game that Chris Paul, the man who is still dishing assists, who is still orchestrating offense, who is still hitting clutch buckets, he's an all-star. And personally, I like Chris Paul more than Devin Booker. And then Paul George over Brandon Ingram I have no issue with that, although I do think Brandon Ingram is the better player this year. And I'll get into that a little bit more later. I do not have any issue with the people who are selected. But I do have an issue and with two people who are not selected that I think should have been selected. And this is not to say that any of those two people are better than anyone on the list. I do think they're having an all-star season. DeMar DeRozan is an all-star this year. The Rosen, since he was traded by the Raptors for Kawhi, um, now three seasons ago, has been kind of forgotten. People forgot that DeRozan was averaging 20 points per game easy back in his Raptors day. People forgotten that he is probably still the best mid-range shooter in the game. People forgot that the Rosen almost did a 360 dunk over someone in the Olympics. People forgot who DeMar DeRozan was, but he is reminding people who he is this season. On the San Antonio Spurs team that missed the playoffs last year. That I previously said is a very good team, but they missed the playoffs and is not as relevant this year. He is averaging 20 points per game, 5 rebounds per game, and a career-high 7 assists per game. He's their leading, leading scorer and their leading pass uh, assist man. And he's doing that while shooting 49% from the field, 33% from the three-point line, and 89% from the free-throw line. And after missing the playoffs last year, they are right now the fifth seed in the West. You see teams after them, the sixth seed, the seventh seed, the eighth seed, all the way to the tenth seed, struggling to fight for that sixth seed spot. And then you have the Spurs, who is comfortably right now sitting on the fifth seed. And Tim Rosen is a big reason why he's an all-star this year. And the other player that I think should have been an all-star, no question, is Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, in his rookie year, when he was drafted number two overall, People were comparing him to Kevin Durant. He was renowned as the next Kevin Durant but in his Los Angeles years he did not quite live up to his potential. In his rookie year he only averaged nine points per game and then um, when LeBron came he those years he was only averaging 15 16 points per game and then he was traded to New Orleans and he Has been improving every single year since he's in the league. This year, he's averaging 24 points per game. He's averaging 5 rebounds per game and 5 assists per game. And he's doing this, shooting 47% from the field, 38% from the three-point line. He was never a great three-point shooter until recently in New Orleans. And he's shooting 88% from the free throw line let me tell you something if zion williamson is in the all-star game brandon ingram should be in the all-star game as well they are in the same tier brandon ingram is an all-star There are many teams that are kind of disappointing and not meeting expectations this year. There is the Nuggets who was in the Western Conference Finals last year after beating the Clippers who everyone thought would be in the Western Conference Finals um, in seven games. Um, And this year they are not that good. They are not a top four seed in the West. Like everyone thought they would be. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is still quite struggling to become the player that he could be. Jamal Murray is not really that bubble sensation that he was. And the only player who is really, really consistently good is Nikola Jokic. And there's also the Miami Heat in the West. In the East, excuse me. Um, They're below 500. After making the NBA Finals um, in the bubble last year, beating the Bucks and then beating the Celtics, and then taking the Lakers to six games, and now they're not even above 500 in the East. Although recently they have been winning, but there is one team that is especially disappointing this year, and that's the Boston Celtics. Currently, they are pretty much the only team that is a serious contender, in my view, that is below 500. The Miami of Miami Heat, of course, is um, a contender no matter what because they made the playoffs and then the finals last year. But I don't think they're a serious contender. But the Celtics are a serious contender. And in fact, last year, I had them in the finals. When I start uh, when the bubble playoffs, before it started, I predicted a Lakers versus Celtics finals matchup. And even when the Heat was beating everyone on the way to the Eastern Conference final, I still had them beating the Heat. And it was pretty close. They made it to six games, although the Celtics ultimately fell short. Um, Kemba was playing on an injured uh, hip and knee, of course. So uh, I, I still hold to that. If Kemba was completely healthy, the Celtics probably would have had a chance to make it to the finals. But that's another story. But this year, they've been very disappointing. Right now, there are only 16 wins and 17 losses. And they're below 500. They're still in playoff contention. But That's disappointing. Because everyone thought, with Jason Tatum being the almost superstar he is, and with Jalen Brown playing so well this season, that they would be a lot better than they are right now. And this is not just some random, you know, fluke that they're having. Because recently, they have been blowing so many games when they have a lead Just this past Sunday, they blew a 24-point second-half lead against the Pelicans. Why are the Celtics struggling? I have two reasons why. And many people have many other reasons. Like, oh, Brad Stevens, he's not actually a good coach. Or, oh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they are not the guy. Or, oh, this team is not really that balanced. It's not really that good. Brad Stevens is a great coach. Everyone in the league knows that he's a genius coach. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are legit. They are up and coming. They are Jason Tatum, if he's not already a superstar, he's getting there. And Jalen Brown is not that far off behind jason tatum so so i think the biggest two reasons why the celtics are struggling is not really that they don't have the talent to win they have a lot of talent but they're missing two things number one that team is way too small they're missing a big man If you look at this Boston Celtics roster, and I find this kind of crazy. Besides seven feet five Taco Fall, who barely plays any minutes, no one on that team is taller than six feet nine. No one. The, the tallest player that actually plays is Tristan Thompson, who is six nine. That's it. You look down the roster Jalen Brown 6'6 Daniel Dice 6'8 Tristan Thompson 6'9 six uh, 6'6 Jason Tatum 6'8 The rookie Pritchford who's played in lot of games 6'1 Grant Williams 6'8 Jeff Teague 6'3 Kemba Walker 6 feet tall and Marcus Smart 6'3 This team is small And they don't have a true big. Daniel Dice, who is 6'8", is listed as their center. This team is so small that they can't stop any teams with great bigs that can post up. In fact, if you look at the teams that they have lost to, the Pacers, they have Turner, Miles Turner and Sabonis. The Sixers, whom they lost to -to back-to-back. They have Joel Embiid. The Lakers, whom they lost to. Primetime matchup on ABC. Anthony Davis. The Suns. DeAndre Ayton. And the Jazz. Rudy Gobert. And that game, Rudy Gobert was not really a good scorer. But that game, he had 18 points. With 8 of 9 shooting. Rudy Gobert, even Rudy Gobert is tearing up, tearing you up in the paint. The Celtics do not have enough inside presence to stop anyone or to score anyone in the inside. Not really. And speaking of scoring, that's the second issue. They don't have enough scoring depth. Now, the Celtics is a very, very deep team. is a very well-constructed team. But this season, they simply do not have a lot of scoring depth. They have four players that are averaging double digits. And two of them are very, very good scorers. In fact, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are both averaging 25 points per game, is the only duel in the NBA that is both averaging 25 points per game. Kyrie and KD is doing that, but KD and Kyrie have missed so many games that I don't know if they should count. <laughs> so Tatum and Brown are basically the only duel in the NBA that is averaging 25 points per game. So basically, you can rely on 50 points from them every single night. But the problem is, where do you find the rest of the points to outscore the other team? And that's their problem right now. Because they have four players who is averaging double digits. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Campbell Walker. But two of them are not playing that many games. Both Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker has missed over half of the season. So really, for half the season, you only have two players that you can rely on consistently scoring double digits per game. And you know what? The Celtics only play seven players deep. Only seven players have more than 20 minutes um, of game time, minutes per game. That means... Of all the players who play significant minutes, okay, and then you minus the two players who have been out, uh, Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker, the five players left that play significant minutes is Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson, and the rookie, 6-1, Pritchard. That's it. That's their scoring test. They're not scoring the basketball. They're a great defensive team. The Celtics are still a good defensive team. Above average. But they can't score. And that's why. What they are missing right now. And the solution that I would propose right now. Is that they need a center. A big man with a mediocre, they don't need a great one, with a mediocre scoring ability. That's all they need, really. If they can get a center, and there's two right now that's in the market that I think would be really good for them. Andre Drummond with the Marcus Cousins. You don't need a great score. You don't need to add a third 25 points per game score to that Celtics team. All you need is someone like the Marcus Cousins, who can not only stretch the floor for you, but can grab rebounds for you, but can defend for you, and can score, create his own shot. Or if you have a drumman who can guard the paint for you, who can grab the boards for you, and who can score decently for you inside. That's all the Celtics need, but that's what they're missing right now and that's why they're getting teared up by other big men on other teams and they cannot score back at them thank you for tuning in today and i hope to see you next week